Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. Um, so we're in a series right now. We just started last week on the message. And this is the same message that um, our missionary friends in the last couple of weeks, um, it's what's compelled them to go. Um, you know, I was thinking as I was coming into, uh, into our um, building this morning, uh, today is Super Bowl Sunday, and it's kind of an unofficial holiday for America. Um, many of you, even if you're not football fans, will watch the game, or at least the commercials, right, at the game. Um, you'll be making food later on. And a, a few weeks ago, one of the star quarterbacks uh, for, for one of the teams, Patrick Mahomes, had suffered an injury, was called a high ankle sprain. And this is a, an injury that often takes weeks to recover from. And so he played the next game, um, surprisingly, was able to. Um, but as you can imagine, with that kind of injury, he went into that game with a bit of a limp, uh, with a little bit of a, uh, uh, a disability, really, something that was kind of hindering him from, from being able to be at his full potential. I want to be honest with you, this um, morning as I was driving here, I, I felt a little bit like that. Um, many of you know, because I shared recently that, that my father's um, health had deteriorated pretty quickly with cancer. And Monday evening, this last Monday evening, I got the call um, that he had passed away. And for those of you that have lost very close loved ones, you know that, that grief is like a roller coaster. Um, and so even this morning, I was like, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm ready to go in. And, you know, I turn on the, um, some worship music on the way in. It was like one lyric in one song just, you know, just brought forward the tears, right? Um, so this morning, uh, I'm, I'm here as, as an imperfect person, as a person dealing with grief. Um, and some, some would even say, like, well, why, didn't you take, why don't you take a Sunday off? Why don't you, why don't you hang out at home or, 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 or not engage with preaching like you typically would? But the reality is, is for me... Um, every week that I get to be in God's word, it brings a comfort to me. And, and my, while one of my roles as a pastor is to share God's word uh, regularly to our, to our church family, um, my heart in sharing God's word isn't to like give you some information or to coerce you into, into acting a certain way or into to changing your behavior. My, my desire every Sunday is the same desire I have for myself when I read God's word, is to know him. And when I know him, I, his, his attributes and his love, it brings something in my life that I need. It brings a comfort and a hope and a peace. Now, in saying that, the last two weeks as I've tried to prepare messages, they've been terrible. <laughs> the, the first half of the week, I've started to put stuff down to, on paper, and I thought, what is this? It's just a rambling mess of words and random scriptures. Um, but, but even through that, as I've been sitting in God's word, and, as, and, I'm, and I'm reading even my own personal times I've been reading in the Old Testament, um, I'm, I'm seeing the hand of God. I'm seeing the, the message of God that is, has impacted generations of people who have received it. And so this morning, I, I'm walking with a limp, but I'm also with you in the comfort that God brings in these times. You know, in, in Acts chapter 2, there's this fantastic story uh, of Peter 
and a bunch of the followers of Jesus coming out of this room, and they begin to share the message of Christ. And in the in the in the this city that they were in, as the message goes forth, um, people started to hear it, and they started to respond to it. And this message was really a, a call to repentance, a call to believe Jesus for who He said He was as the image of God present in humanity, and. What happened in this moment, some might call a, a movement, uh, others might call it a, a revival happen. People that maybe had, had heard of God before, there, there was a now a renewal in their life, which is part of revival. And they responded to who Jesus was. And then others that maybe, maybe they were secular, maybe they had no religious belief at all. For them, there was an awakening that happened. And they responded to the message of Jesus. This is the, the definition of revival, an awakening or a, a renewal. And so I was thinking about that. This, this happened thousands of years ago, and it says in Acts chapter 2 that, that 3,000 people responded to the gospel in that, that one moment there in Jerusalem. And I was remembering how in the 1700s in our country, something happened that now we call the first great awakening. This was a uh, a religious revival that impacted both the English colonies and the American colonies during the 1730s and 40s. Now, 1700. So this is 300 years ago, right? And what happened in this movement was there had actually been a growing movement in the Western culture of secularism. So people, through the Enlightenment, were pushing back against the belief in God. And they were saying, well, it's, you know what's more important than believing in, in God is believing in what is rational, what is natural, what can be tested and observed. And so this was a, this was a, a pretty prevalent movement, pushing back against religious thought. And then in the 1700s, there was a couple of men in particular, but, but really many people that began to preach the gospel. And one of them was Jonathan Edwards, another was George Whitfield. They began to preach the gospel, and something sparked like a flame in the hearts of people. And what then happened over the next decade was this massive revival that swept through America. Um, some historians say as many as 15% of the country became believers in Christ during that decade. There was, there was movements and meetings and confession and worship happening all throughout the country. The first great awakening. 300 years later, there's been movements that have happened like that, and they've all come because of a response to the message, the message of Jesus. My family, and I'm going to apologize right now, um, I really as a pastor try never to like inject too much of what's happening in my personal life in my preaching, but I occasionally my dad is going to slip into some of my messages over the next weeks. As I grieve him, as I think about him, as I think about the legacy of faith that he imparted to me. But my, my father, many of your parents, they responded to the message of Jesus. They, they maybe started a, a mini revival in your family tree. And that's why you're here. These are moments where people receive the message of Jesus and it changes them. Awakening happens. Renewal happens. A month ago, I was getting ready to board a, uh, an airplane uh, to the country of Kenya, and it's good to see Simon and Joyce here. I got to hang out with them. They just got back about a week ago from Kenya. Um, I was getting ready to board the airplane, 
I was sitting in, in SeaTac, and my flight was delayed about an hour. And there was a TV in the waiting room, and it was Monday night, and there was a football game going on. Uh, a pretty highly touted football game between the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. And during the middle of that football game, some of you maybe were watching and you, you remember this, um, a player got um, hit in his chest. It happens all the time. It's football. And as he got up to start the next play, he immediately fell back over. And what we found out later is this man, Damar Hamlin, had cardiac arrest right on the field. They had to do CPR for about 10 minutes. In that moment, as millions of people are watching, thousands of people in the stadium, players on the sidelines, everybody feels like they need to do something. What do we do? And it's in that moment when, when our moment of powerlessness, our moment of grasping for hope, our moment of weakness, that what we believe comes to the surface. What we hope in is elevated. What do you do? Well, if you were um, watching the, the game, you saw what many people did. I'll show you this. They prayed. Players, coaches, athletic trainers from both teams met, and they prayed. And then as they weren't sure if the game would continue, like any kind of network has to do, they have to fill space, right? So they go, we're going to take you away from the stadium. We're going to go to our, our, our sports analysts in the studio. And so ESPN went to the studio. And again, what do you do? How do you respond to a moment like that? You talk about how, how horrible it is, how violent the sport is, how tragic it is, nobody knowing if DeMar Hamlin would live. And one ESPN analyst who's a, a strong believer, Dan Orlovsky, said, basically said, forget it, I'm going to pray. And so he prayed on national TV in front of millions of people. 24 hours later, I was still traveling. I was still on an airplane. I was on my second flight from Istanbul to Kenya. And on, in the um, airplane, we, they have all sorts of movies, and they have live TV. And so I was like, I wonder what's on live TV. And so I turned it to CNN International, and there was coverage of this moment. Around the world, people were seeing the response to this moment was prayer. So as a, as a world, there is still a message that we need to hear. We talked about this last week, how even if you've grown up in the church, you've been in the church all your life, even if you're a pastor, you still need to hear the gospel. You still need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. You need to know it. We need to preach it to ourselves. We need to preach it to each other. And so in our day and age, in, we may be in a, in a lot of ways in a similar place as the Great Awakening in the 1700s where we, we have scientific advancements beyond our wildest dreams. I mean, what's been in the news recently with AI, right? Artificial intelligence. Now, chat GPT. You can... You can ask it any question. It will write your sermons for you. I haven't tried that yet, but it will, it will write songs. It will take your tests, right? A, a time of unparalleled scientific advancement and increasing secularism, increasing denial of, of God. And so we're reminded today, as we sit here in this warm, comfortable, cozy church building, that this message of Jesus is still a message that the world needs to hear. People need to know 
that God is real. Romans 1.20 says this, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. The world today needs to know that God is real. That in those moments of crisis, when they're powerless to do anything, there is a very real God who made them, made the foundation of the earth that they're standing on, breathed life into them, dreamed them up, thought of them, has a purpose and plan for their life. But there's a counter message to this. It was true in the Enlightenment, and it's true in our day today. And this counter message is God is not real. You're just on your own. There is no God or gods, no supernatural, no spiritual world. God is a made-up superstition for the ignorant, for the weak. So there's two messages. And there's nuances, there are variances of these messages throughout time. There's different degrees. There's false beliefs in God. There's some that would push back on some of these. But there are basically two messages. You are on your own or God is with you. We see that as these messages are communicated and and received or rejected, we see that it affects the way that people live in moments of crisis, in moments of suffering, in moments of need. And we see that Even today, as the message goes out, there are people that receive it and that reject it. And this was no different for Jesus. In Jesus' life, John 1 records this. It says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he became the right to become children of God. We see this today. Though the world was made through him, as Romans said, everything that has been made, the the heavens and the earth, they declare the wonders of God. Yet people still reject him. The world was made through him. The counter message is not that the world was made through God, that you are a cosmic accident. So just try your best. Live your own truth. Enjoy life as much as you can until the end. Good luck with that. You're on your own. But the message of Jesus says you are not alone. You were made on purpose. And the God who made you is inviting you to know what that purpose is. So when our missionary friends sit down, with their neighbors and their friends, and they open up the Word of God, they're inviting them into that truth. They're inviting them into that story. They're inviting them to reconnect with the origin of their being, God himself. So let me ask you this morning, what message do you think people need to hear today? What message? Hopefully it's this message In a world full of hopelessness and heartache, the message they need to hear is that God is real. Not only is he real, but he made you. You are not an accident. 
You were on purpose, and you have purpose. The psalmist David was reflecting on his identity, on his being, when he wrote Psalm 139. And it says this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. <laughs> At the end, I, 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 he's, maybe he's thinking of nature and the, the shepherd, the sheep that he's tending, or the kingdom he was overseeing. But maybe he was also thinking of himself. Your works are wonderful. <laughs> I know that full well. I know that in myself. I know that in my loved ones. Your works are wonderful. You are not an accident. You're on purpose, and you have a purpose. You know, according to the CDC, in the last 20 years, suicides in America have risen by 30%. 30%. Over 48,000 people a year are coming to some conclusion that is causing them to take their life. What message do you think that they have believed that would lead them to that point? More than 20 million people in the United States each year are gripped by substance abuse, running to self-medicate with alcohol or with drugs. What message do you think that they've heard? They are powerless to do anything, so instead of doing anything or changing anything or believing different, I will just pretend like I'm not feeling these things by covering them up. The message of Jesus, it pierces the darkness of depression and addiction to call the broken sons and daughters to the compassionate love of God where they can be known and restored because they are fearfully and wonderfully made. People need to hear the message. The other question we might ask is, what do you think keeps people from considering the message of Jesus? We do live in a Christian nation. Many have heard the message of Jesus. What keeps them from considering whether it's true or not? Maybe it's they've never heard the message of Jesus. They don't really know him. They don't know what Jesus is about. They have a caricature of him. You know what I mean? Like a cartoon kind of image something that's been represented by somebody they know. You know, if somebody says something about somebody you don't know, and then when you meet them, you're thinking, oh, they're like that, because that's what I've been told. Like you immediately have, have this image of who they are, how they're going to act. Maybe it's because they don't really know the message of Jesus. Maybe it's because they heard it, but they just stopped listening a long time ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Blah, 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 Jesus saves. Blah, 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 he died on a cross. Blah, 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 blah. So they just stopped listening a long time ago. Maybe it's because the image of Jesus that's been given to them is not Jesus. There's a, maybe you've heard about this, there's a multi-million dollar ad campaign right now called He Gets Us. If you watch the Super Bowl today, apparently there's going to be a commercial for it. The whole purpose of the He Gets Us campaign is to kind of represent the image of Jesus to a country that claims to know him. 
I've seen some of the, the advertisings. It's, they're, they're compelling in, in one way, but they're also not complete either. It's a commercial. <laughs> so maybe one of the things that keeps people from considering the message of Jesus is the wrong representation of Jesus. And sometimes that's our fault, the church's fault. The reality, though, is for many people, the reason they won't consider the message of Jesus is because their hearts are hard. I just don't want to. <laughs> I just don't want to believe there's a higher power than me. I, I don't want to believe that, that there may be some greater purpose other than the purpose I've created for my life, the purpose I've chosen to accept. I make my own destiny. I choose my own path. I am the fulfillment of my own happiness. I remember talking to a family member of mine years ago who had decided they didn't believe in God at all. It was, they were done with that. And so we were sitting, and I was really curious. We are having lunch, and I said, so what do you believe in? Like, what is the kind of a, a, a foundational belief system that you're operating off now? And they said, well, I believe in myself. And I said, okay. What does that mean? I believe in my own happiness. And so then I asked the next logical question, well, are you happy? And I was shocked at the answer. No. Honest. But then I worked backwards. <laughs> then something's wrong. Something's wrong with what you believe and how you're living your life. If, if your belief system isn't producing good fruit in your life, then something must be off. What is that? Many people, they don't really know the message of Jesus. They've stopped listening to him, to the message. They won't receive it. They have hard hearts. Ultimately, the message of Jesus is not about, uh, again, the He Gets Us campaign is great. It's not about just who he identified with or how he rolled like 2,000 years ago. Or The message of Jesus is first and foremost a message of repentance. Now, the word repentance has a bad connotation in our minds. Maybe because you saw somebody, you're downtown, and you saw somebody with a sign yelling it angrily, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Well, they're quoting Jesus in Matthew chapter 3. Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is come near. But what was Jesus' meaning when he said repent? Was he saying, feel ashamed and feel bad and grovel? No, he was saying, listen, you need to see things differently. Repentance is a change of mind. You need to understand who God really is. Those that have, have, had, have mischaracterized him, repent. Change your mind about who he is. And then out of that repentance, know that he is coming near. And so your repentance allows you to then enter into the kingdom of God without that change of mind. Without that understanding of his nature and his character, you won't be able to go there. You'll reject it. Your heart will be hard. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 3. Later on, he's talking to religious people, just a few verses later. And he says to them, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, you are saying that you want to be part of the kingdom of God, but the repentance that you're supposed to keep walking out, it, it shows itself. There's evidence of that. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So Jesus, in his message, he speaks both to those who are lost, 
who are who have rejected God and both and those who need to be revived. And that's us. We need to be revived in our understanding of the message of Jesus. Repentance is the foundation of awakening and renewal. Have any of you heard what's happened this week at Wilmore, Kentucky? Anybody know where Wilmore, Kentucky is? I didn't either until this week. Wilmore, Kentucky is a town of less than 4,000 people just just south of Lexington, Kentucky. I don't know where Lexington is either, but it's in Kentucky. In the town of uh, Wilmore, there is a small Christian university called Asbury University. Maybe 1,500 students in a town of 4,000. And uh, as most Christian universities have, they have a chapel service several times a week. What's a chapel? If you've never been to a Christian school, many Christian schools have, it's basically a time of worship. It's like a church service. They'll sing some songs. They'll have some prayer. Uh, somebody will give a message. It's, some schools, it's required that you go to chapel. It's usually an hour long at Asbury University. And Wednesday morning from 11 to noon was the chapel service. The students gather like they always gather. It's like practically an obligation to worship God when you're in Christian school. They sang some songs. The minister there, I don't even know his name, he shared a message. What was his message on? Well, something everybody's heard for hundreds of years in church. A message of the importance of confession and repentance. Confessing our sins, which, which essentially reorients us to the gospel. Repentance, which then sets us in a new direction as we share those sins. Kind of a standard message, kind of like church 101, right? Chapel's due to end at noon. It's lunchtime. A bunch of students are cut to their heart, and they stay. They continue to to worship God through song. Many of them gather at the front and begin to pray together. 24 hours later, they're still there. 48 hours later, they're still there. Other students start to come. Some of them are skipping their classes. Some professors are like, "Uh, what do we do? (laughs) We're a Christian school, but these people are responding to Christ. (laughs) Get back to class. No, the professors join them. This morning... From Wednesday till now, this little auditorium fits about maybe a thousand students or some fifteen hundred students is packed to the brim. They have been worshiping and praying and responding to God since Wednesday, and they haven't stopped. I saw some video footage of it. Um, there's nobody leading it. There's nobody saying, "Okay, uh, at three thirty, we're going to transition." No, it's just happening. What is it? It's revival. It's an awakening in the hearts of people that know Jesus, but that are encountering him in a way that is deeply personal. As they're confessing their sins, as they're praying for each other. And now the word is out. Other people are going, we're going to go see what's going on here. So people, from, students from other schools are coming. Mostly young people, 18 to 28. Some people are saying, we've been praying for this for years. Lord, would it spread in our nation. This is what revival looks like, an awakening. Many people today take the all roads lead to God approach to their spirituality and to their faith. 
And this is partly due to the fact that we live in a post-truth culture. In a post-truth culture, you have truth and I have truth, and it doesn't matter if they contradict each other as long as we both are genuine in our truth. But all this belief does is set up for a, a life of confusion or competition. That's what we see primarily in our American culture today. But the message of Jesus is a clear invitation in an unclear world. Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. That's a, actually a political declaration. He's in charge. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. Romans 10.13 goes on and says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from all of our confusion and our chaos to a faith in Jesus that leads to the only true place where justice and mercy work together, where love and grace have a name, Jesus. He is where our souls can find the hope and the peace we need. It is in Jesus that we are saved. And this is the message that the world still needs to hear. A message that brings hope for every single person who needs it. Jesus saves. Jesus redeems. God is real. And through Jesus, we know that he wants to be with us. He wants to be with us on a football field in front of millions and in the quiet desperation of our everyday lives. God wants to be with us. And the messenger that Jesus has in mind to make this gospel hope true and real and present, the messenger he has in mind is you and me. If you have heard and if you've been changed by the message of Jesus, then you have what people need, a message of hope. I've heard it said that a person can survive 40 days without food, roughly, roughly three days without water, but nobody can live a single moment without hope. And there's only one place to find real hope, the message of Jesus Christ. You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.